left, right, left, right, left, marching, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, march, march. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fuel for Warriors, a podcast collaboration between Lawson Entertainment and Lock and Load Java. Each and every week, I talk to a military veteran, an athlete, or anybody else that resonates with the idea of being a warrior. We learn about what challenges they face, what they believe a warrior truly is, and then what inspires them. What is their fuel for their warrior? This week, I have Army veteran Stacy Bear on the show. He is an OIF vet. He is an Ole Miss rebel. He is a part of Sierra Club Outdoors, which helps veterans find and discover the outdoors as a uh, as a way of their normal life and not in their you know getting access to it for therapy and other emotional and personal growth. And we get into you know the, the the interview started with the basics of you know what is a warrior you know his time in the military we really started getting into some of the the depths of military concern of veteran concerns and it was a really great conversation I had with Stacy and the answers his answers to the questions of challenges and inspiration stuff were really great so I know that you're really going to enjoy it. When you're done with the interview, be sure to check out LawsonEntertainment.com and LockAndLoadJava.com for more episodes and access to amazing coffee as provided by Lock and Load Javas. They've really helped set the platform for this show with the culture uh, that, they, that they've provided and embraced uh, with their brand and their followers. It's a uh, it's been really great. So enjoy the interview with Stacy, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy. Hey, Warriors. This is Carl Churchill, co-founder and chief coffee officer of Lock and Load Java. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our friend and fellow veteran Tim Lawson as he interviews risk takers who've embraced the warrior ethos. I know you'll love our guest today. And when you're finished with the episode, head over to LockAndLoadJava.com and use the coupon code FUELFORWARRIORS to receive a 10% discount on our premium coffee and cocoa. Stay motivated, my friends, and keep challenging yourself. All right, Warriors, welcome back to another episode of Fuel for Warriors. This week on the show, I have Stacy Bear, an Army veteran of Sierra Club Outdoors. Stacy, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on this show with uh, all the other guests that you've had. It's a, it's a pretty incredible group of people you pulled together. It really, I mean, it really is. I, I, I go back and, and look at the, the guest list that we've had on this show, and while all the names may, may not be recognizable, all the stories are equally as important and powerful, and a lot of great guests coming forward and talking about what it means to be a warrior, what challenges they're facing, and then, again, ultimately what inspires them. So a lot of great material in just a, a short, what is it, 15, 16 weeks of the show here. Yeah, it's really fantastic. So, Stacey, we start every episode with talking about what it means to be a warrior. This is something that is unique to each individual, and I know the audience is curious to hear, what does it mean to you to be a warrior? What is that? To me, I think being a warrior could mean a lot of different things for different people. And I think, I think one of the challenges we have is that not every soldier is a warrior and not every warrior is a soldier. Uh, it's about an ethos to fight for something 
and to be ready to have that fight for something and train for that fight and be ready for that fight, but also to, if you can, to avoid a violent conflict whenever you can. I mean, I think a warrior is somebody who trains and is ready uh, to go to war and to fight really for something as opposed to against something, but is also going to work to not have a violent conflict whenever possible uh, and to find other means to achieve the goal of whatever it is they're fighting for. And I think what a warrior is not is somebody who is responding out of hate or ignorance and somebody who is only ever responding with violent force. Uh, I think they're, you know, if we look throughout history, they're, you know, Mahatmas Gandhi is certainly somebody that I would say was a warrior and he was trained and, and prepared and, and worked hard and Martin Luther King Jr. was a warrior. I think John F. Kennedy was a warrior just as much as I think, you know, I get to look around and see our generation of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans and there's a number of warriors there and there's a number of warriors who are not veterans who are fighting on behalf of our veteran community and I think they're also warriors. I like that you know you point out that um, that that it doesn't necessarily mean to have a violent mindset. Because I think when we I think the traditional um, or not the traditional I think the stereotypical view of a warrior you know is one that's constantly ready for some sort of you know physical combat and stuff. And I think what I've really liked about the answers that I've gotten from the guests so far, including yourself, Stacey, is that it's a lot more of a mental and emotional uh, challenge than it is a physical capability. Definitely. And I think, and I, and I think you, when you can and you have the, the ability to sharpen your physical body as well, I think that really helps and improves your, your, your mental capacity. And for whatever reason in this country, we separate mental and physical wellness and, and health. And, you know, our mind is included at least at some portion in our bodies. And, and um, so I think there is a lot of import in keeping your body as, as ready as possible. But that's going to look really different for different people. And like you said, it's, it, right. it doesn't mean that you're going to be ripped and jacked and, you know, uh, an excellent MMA fighter or uh, excellent judo or rock, rock climbing or whatever though that can also feed into it and, and the process, but it really is about the mind and your approach that uh, how do you approach each day? How do you approach uh, larger challenges and issues? How do you approach those moments where you want to lash out violently and physically, but can recognize that there's a smarter and a better way and, and training yourself uh, to continue to make those choices to, to, to minimize damage. And, and to me, that is really critically important is how do you, again, it's fighting for something not against something out of out of some sense of fear or hate, and that is far more about the mental approach than the physical approach. Yeah, something I I don't know if I've asked this directly of any of my guests on this show, so you may be the first to to get this specific question. How did the military alter your view on what on what a, a warrior is, if if it did at all? Certainly, I I think growing up you. Most of the examples that were that we see, especially in the 80s and 90s when I grew up, about what a warrior was or what a warrior is, has that physical component to it. But in the military, 
um, you begin to recognize, one, that a lot of your fellow, not a lot, but at least a few of your fellow soldiers are not warriors because they're approaching things out of, you know, maybe gleeful destruction or um, a want to kill or a want to destroy without kind of understanding the uh, deeper issues or challenges that are there. And I was lucky enough to be surrounded by amazing NCOs and soldiers and other officers who really encouraged me to look into history and look at those individuals who were warriors and, and find other examples of, of great military leadership as well as great civilian leadership and, and try and compose my own view of warriorship uh, in what that looked like. And so I think the military gave me structure for that and really allowed me to investigate that. And what I find today is that oftentimes the people who are most quick to judge a veteran statement or a statement about veterans or service members are oftentimes not veterans or service members, but people who wish to be um, service members or veterans and so are quick to try and defend some archaic notion of what warriorhood is specific to violence. And uh, in the military, you know, I, I think any, any service member really wants to avoid conflict. And, and they understand what conflict means and what violence means. And so I think a lot of people leave the military service understanding that a warrior isn't just about violence or conflict in a way that if you haven't experienced it, it may be difficult to understand that, you know, when I was six foot seven, 298 pounds, you know, not a lot of fat on me, that my goal was to avoid conflict when it probably looked like my goal was to engender conflict. Yeah. That uh, that scenario of someone who wants to join or who who have had a passion to serve but for whatever reason couldn't or or didn't, uh, we call that the patriot patriot complex uh, that they end up adopting is because they because they didn't get that outlet of being able to serve they then put more energy into that space and what it means to serve. I think maybe as trying to find as their way of serving. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I, I've never heard it called the Patriot complex, but I think that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, and again, it's this idea that how do you, you know, I, I think we should all try and be warriors. I think we should all focus ourselves and try and, you know, work towards something and towards a better positive outcomes in life. And yeah, it's like when you get, the Patriot complex are people who are really angry um, and can be very divisive out of a want to serve their country in some way, but out of a feeling that they have to be angrier or louder or potentially more destructive than if maybe they had just gone and served. And, and that's a, I think there's a real conflict in this country right now around that Patriot complex and wrapping yourself up in the American flag. And, you know, and, and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that our country didn't want to happen to our, my generation of veterans, the Iraq and Afghanistan generation of veterans, is to what happened to the Vietnam veterans uh, who came back and, you know, in some cases were spit on, or potentially worse, the Korean veterans, the Korean World War veterans who came home and were largely forgotten. And so we've worked so hard to do something for our veterans which is a positive sign, but that hasn't always meant that we've done the right thing. And I think what's ended up happening is we have a lot of lip service 
towards appreciation of veterans and engagement, but it's kind of like, well, if I stood up during the seventh inning playing of Lee Greenwood's Proud to be an American and chastised somebody next to me who didn't stand up for that playing of the song, I've done my part in welcoming home veterans and, and better understanding what they're going through. And, and that's not the case. I mean, you know, like we were talking earlier about some suicide issues. I mean, you know, probably one of the quickest way to end veteran suicide issues is to stop going to war. But that that's a conversation where people are like, well, why, you know, I can't believe you, you don't support the troops. And it's like, no, I, I was a troop. I do support the troops. But a lot of my issues came from coming home from war. Uh, and the easiest way to have prevented those would have been not to go to war. Um, yeah. But that the troops I support, it's the war that I'm having an issue with. Right, exactly. And that's always a conversation. But it's like we just keep wrapping things up in patriotism and security and, you know, freedom. And um, and rarely are we actually talking about security, real patriotism or freedom when we're talking about those things. Yeah. So I had, I had season tickets to the Washington Wizards this past season and every every Wizards home game in the um in, in the the break after the first quarter or first uh period they they would bring out a military service member in uniform say a couple things about his service and you know have everybody stand up and and clap and I'm not talking like someone that they got from Bethesda or Walter Reed I'm talking like some of them were just average service members and I know I, I and it just it was veteran porn and it made me so angry and so I I would I would never stand up I just sat there fortunately no one ever said anything to me because that would be really awkward for me to have to uh respond to that but the only time I stood up was when they started talking about this guy's service and he was like no kid like no kidding like an actual war hero from what they were talking about. And that, you know, that, you know, deserved my attention, I thought. But some of them, like, you hear, they'd be like, oh, he's uh, pretty much, he's an E5 who's stationed somewhere who does his job. It was pretty much what, what they would say. And I'm like, what? No one knows why they're standing up. They just know that there's a, a, a military service member down there and we need to show him encouragement and support and respect. And it's great that everybody has that mindset, but I'm really just sick of the, just the, the milking of patriotism and, uh, and a side note again from that, something that I learned recently, the DOD has actually paid franchises, sports franchises, yep. to have those sorts of events and occurrences during their game. The DOD is paying franchises to, to, to do those things, and yet our own, our own DOD is is involved in all this it's really is ridiculous yeah the the fact you know the nfl stuff that came out uh where the dod is paying it the fact that that wasn't a bigger news story and you know you want to talk about a waste of government dollars or the fact that the national right? guard sponsors a nascar team so that it can appear to be more american i mean i and i think what sucks about that is is that in those sports and athletes there are a lot of people who are who are genuinely wanting to do something for their brothers and sisters in their community who serve. And, and there's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff under the radar to support veterans because they don't necessarily want to see that it's being done as a marketing ploy. But yeah, when you find out that all this 
flag waving from the NFL is done because the DOD is paying the NFL and the NFL is taking the money to do it. It, it really like what that's, that is not the behavior of a warrior. Right. And I mean, and especially from a sport like the NFL, which draws so heavily on military uh, acronyms, right. And military metaphors We're in the trenches. This is war out there. Um, right. This is the band of brothers. And I've heard it, you know, in the past, I remember having this conversation when I first came home uh, in 2000, uh, 2007, and I was in this bar, and people were buying me free drinks, and it was really nice, because they didn't know how else to say thank you, and, but this guy wanted to know, wanted me to know that he had bought me a free drink, and wanted me to know that he had gone through something similar, and so we were talking, and I was like, well, what was that? And he's like, well, you know, I played football, and we won the state tournament, and, and, and you know, so I have an understanding of what camaraderie and brotherhood is, and and so, you know, I, I kind of know what you're going through, like, because after that season ended, I was like really, you know, lost. And it's like, all right, buddy, like, I get that you understand a little bit of brotherhood and camaraderie. And, and I have that, too. I, I played high school sports. I played rugby at a, at a pretty high level. Like, but it's, it's a very different sense um, of what that is. And, and you don't really understand what I'm going through. But I, I appreciate that, you know, but in some ways, I appreciate that effort more than when people go, I couldn't imagine what you went through. Because at least this guy's trying to imagine what I went through. And I think that's, yeah. a, and, and it's, it's a bigger, and, and whereas, you know, I, I like to make fun of guys like that a little bit because, you know, getting mortared is, is a lot different than, you know, facing a quarterback who's throwing the long ball on you all day. Um, yeah. But, you know, when people are like, I can't imagine what you went through. It's like, well, that's part of the problem is I need you to begin imagining what I went through. I need you to begin understanding or reading about what I went through. I'm not asking you to understand everything I went through, but I need you to start imagining it so that you can create a community or a response that has thought through that and recognizes that I'm, I'm more that experience happened and I'm more than that, and then I'm moving beyond. And I think, you know, whenever I have an opportunity to speak, the, the two highlights that I always like to bring up are, one, every veteran survey that's ever been done has always 100% agreed on one thing, and that's that veterans are people. And the second is, is that if you look at statistically around things like post-traumatic stress disorder, which, again, I think is overblown, that's not to say that we've, we've come up with the right solutions or that we shouldn't focus on it, but there's this go-to response that every veteran has PTSD, or if you have challenges, it's because of PTSD, is that statistically, non-veterans there are, there are like five veterans, non-veterans for every veteran who has PTSD. And so what that means is like, like knowing that I've been diagnosed with, with post-traumatic stress is that when I go into, when I go to a, on a plane tomorrow uh, and, and travel for work, I know that there's at least statistically five other people on that plane who have PTSD, but who are we concerned about? And, and I think as veterans, going back to that first point that we're all people, if we can look at some of these issues and work with veterans to find solutions to some of these challenges that are then beneficial for the rest of the community, then we're really doing our job. And that's the same thing with like the NFL or, or whatever. I mean, if the NFL really wants to raise up or lift up veterans as examples of selfless service and everything else like that, that's great. But there's also plenty of other examples in the world of selfless service that don't necessarily have to come from veterans. You know, there's there's teachers and, and firefighters and um, community organizers and radio broadcasters and journalists and, um, you know, who are doing things amazing every day and who are warriors and who are fighting for education or fighting for better health or fighting for better communities. And 
I think if we want to really highlight patriotism in the selfless service of veterans, we need to start highlighting and valuing all the things that, at least notionally, we fought for, which are those things and, and those right to a better community. And it's like um, I, I live out in Utah, and uh, last year I went to the University of Utah Arizona State basketball game, and Coach Larry Kristoviak, who's done a fantastic job rebuilding a Pac-12 powerhouse out here in the West, said, you know, the quote was something like, you know, I want to thank veterans for, if it weren't for you all out there fighting for us, we couldn't be playing basketball tonight. And it's statements like that that drive me insane. <laughs> because I never thought to myself, you know, it was like, it's like the mortar's coming and my team sergeant's like, sir, let's go. And we're running. And I'm like, yeah, man, we're doing this for Pac-12 basketball. Right? I mean, like, like that, never, that thought never entered into my mind. Or like, yeah, man. If it weren't for this, the University of Mississippi wouldn't have a chance to play for an SEC title. Like, thank God I'm here. I mean, so it, we just we make these massive statements that are just so not based in reality, and uh, and it, and it really what it does is it cheapens our service. It cheapens the commitment that we've made. It cheapens the fact that we voluntarily made a decision to give the, the United States people a, a blank check for our lives. Um, and, it, and it's sad, and it cheapens what it is to be a warrior because, like, I don't know, there, there are a lot of people who are warriors out there who aren't service members, and, and unfortunately, there are service members and veterans who uh, take advantage of that patriotism and don't move themselves forward and, and don't work to leverage the experience that the United States military gave them to, to be meaningful contributors to society, and that's not to say that you know, there's a lot of people who are very deserving of, of, of the benefits and, and, and everything that they're getting, but I think that's kind of the unspoken secret sometimes about, it's a, or the unspoken statement about some veterans. I mean, you know, we're a representation of our communities, and that means there's going to be a few dirtbags. And we, for some reason, seem to be really unwilling to call out uh, when things are going wrong because we're worried it's going to have a negative impact on, on the overall system. But... Um, it's not a black and white system, and uh, we as veterans certainly, I think, know that better than most and have, a, I think, a responsibility to, to talk about the complexities of the world around us and um, once we are feeling up to that task. And, and there's a lot of things that we do need help on, and there's a lot of things where we do need support, and there's people who need a lot more support than me, and I want to make sure they get it, um, but at the same time, uh, we also need to be really honest about what it is we fought for and uh, and how we come home and how we move forward. Stacey, you are saying so many things that uh, I mean, what you're saying is something are is a bunch of things that I have had countless conversations with other veterans about. Um, it you know the we go on and on about this. Uh, and maybe we'll, we'll. I think we should save the rest for for another day, because uh, I want to. I want to make sure that we get into Sierra Club Outdoors. Yeah, we we've been having a lot of fun at Sierra Club Outdoors uh, over the last four years, and and before that with Veterans Expeditions, who just had a successful summit of Denali with uh, with eight different folks. I think uh, seven of them were veterans, and one journalist was along for the ride, and. There's a lot of other really great outdoor rec programs uh, for veterans that are serving different needs, Project Healing Water Fly Fishing, Team, R team 
River Runner, uh, Team Red, White, and Blue, which is doing a lot of running and is about to start a, a big surf camp. So yeah. um, it's, it's been really, really fun. And uh, Sierra Club Outdoors, we think we have a little bit different niche. Uh, we look to uh, really empower people to be and give them the skills and training so that they can either become leaders in their community to get people outdoors, and that could be getting other veterans outdoors, it could be getting community members outdoors, it could be getting youth outdoors, uh, and then also a series of trips where we pull people together and, and highlight some really beautiful landscapes throughout the country. Um, so it, it has been a ton of fun, and now we're doing uh, a lot of research with the University of California, Berkeley, in a project we're calling the Great Outdoors Lab to put evidence-based research behind this, because anecdotally what we hear from our veterans and, and our service members and allies and their families over and over and over again is time outside is making me better. But, and, and we want that to be a, a policy change so that when, when service members are coming home that they get a chance to go outside. Um, and that, you know, being outside and spending time outside isn't seen as, um, isn't seen as a, an alternative therapy, but it's seen as an augmented therapy, that it's part and parcel of whatever mental and physical health programs that people are are attending to to make themselves healthier and better, that, that the outdoors is is baked into that from, from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, in the... In the intro before the interview, uh, I told the audience briefly about Sierra Club Outdoors, but for, for those that are a little less familiar or, or interested in, in, in what you've said so far, uh, maybe give us a, a bit more specific of, um, of a mission statement. Like, what, it, you know, what is the goal of Sierra Club Outdoors? Yeah, Sierra Club Outdoors is designed to the, the, the long version of that is to ensure that military service members and veterans can experience the land they fought to defend um, is, is our focus for Sierra Club Military Outdoors. And then, uh, you know, for Sierra Club Outdoors, generally our, our mission statement is connecting people to nature for the benefit of both. Uh, there's huge benefit in getting outside, and we want people to do that. We want people to... to connect to the beauty around them and the, you know, from a, from our perspective, and I think from a lot of veterans perspective, our public lands, especially are a physical representation of all the good things that we fought for in our democracy and liberty and freedom and a, and a right to pursue happiness. And that happens outside. And, and that's what we want to do. And, and we've seen relationships built and, and trust built in the outdoors that just can't happen in a boardroom. Um, and families come back together and, and the healing process that, that can happen uh, in the outdoors. And, and that's what we want to do. And, you know, at the Sierra Club, we also have a, a we want to make sure that those places continue to be there for our veterans and our service members to come back to. And uh, if we didn't fight for our public lands and clean air and clean water, um, at least on a notional level, I'm not sure what it is that we fought for. You know, so I'm at the website, SierraClub.org, uh, and just browsing around, I see pictures of rafting and hiking and stuff like that. Um, you know, what what sort of activities are we talking about past this? Like, I'm, I'm imagining, uh, especially out there, like in Utah, there's a slew of activities that uh, you have people doing. Yeah, um, so we have our program kind of broken up into two different ways. Um, last year we served 13,000 veterans through both our specific Sierra Club Military Outdoors programming and then a broader uh, work with youth and local communities. And 
people have an opportunity to get engaged in everything from um, rafting and mountaineering and backpacking to day trips and working with youth and mentoring with youth. So if it happens in the outdoors, you can pretty much imagine that we'll be doing it somewhere sometime. Our, our big focus over the next few years is going to be around leadership development, bringing people in who maybe they don't have a ton of experience in the outdoors, but they're proven leaders uh, because they've had military service. And so we know that you know if you've been in a if you've been a non-commissioned officer, if you've been an officer, you've had some level of proven leadership. If you're an E4 that's been in for three or four years um, in the Marine Corps, they might call you a non-commissioned officer. In the Army, you might be a specialist, but we know that you've got leadership capabilities, and we know that at some level you're willing at least to sacrifice for others. And and we want to bring people in and teach them how they can get out comfortably on their own and then lead their own communities out there. And so that's a big emphasis for us is is that outdoor leadership component. Uh, we're a really small team, uh, total Sierra Club Outdoors across all our initiatives. We have about six staff. Uh, we get about we have about 5,000 volunteer leaders, and like I said, we get about 250,000 people outside a year in total. So we're a very slim, lean machine uh, that works to leverage the engagement of volunteers. And so uh, we're trying to grow our programs as fast as there's demand for them, and right now we're not there yet. And there's there's far more demand to get outside then there is resources, and so, and that's even if you include a lot of our partner organizations, but uh, we're hoping to expand that and grow that, and the quickest way to do that is through, one, leadership training, and two, making sure that there's uh, a strong evidence-based research out there that can help influence policymakers. Yeah, very cool. So let's move on to um, question uh, 1A of the, 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 the two questions to sort of wrap up our interview with you, Stacey. Uh, being, what are some challenges that you're facing um, currently, like in your life right now? And it could be professionally through Sierra Outdoors. It could be personally as a post, you know, military veteran. Uh, you know, what what are some routine challenges that you find yourself uh, facing week to week, month to month, and what are you doing to uh, to better solve them? Well, that's the million dollar question. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think the biggest challenge professionally and personally is letting people know the power of outdoor recreation. Too many times people think of outdoor recreation as a nice-to-have versus a need-to-have and a must-have. And so we're always kind of fighting that fight. And I think if you look at veteran transition services, people are always looking at um, employment, education, and access to healthcare. And what they're not always looking at is those things holistically and the, the, the need for wellness and uh, feeling like you know who you are and you're comfortable with who you are. And I think outdoors, time outdoors really gives the foundation for people to feel good about themselves, to have confidence, and to begin building a new team of veterans and non-veterans around them and a new community where they can feel supported. And once you have that foundation, and it can be built you know, at the same time as you're getting education and, and, and you're seeking employment and access to healthcare, but without it, you may not have the confidence to really push through and maximize education. Most people I know don't really like their jobs, but if they have something to look forward to and they know they're working for something broader than themselves to get out on the weekend or to get out in the morning or afternoon with their friends or their family, they can make it through. Uh, and in terms of healthcare, uh, you know, physical fitness and, and mental wellness, because you're challenging yourself to ride a bike every day or to, 
to prepare for climbing a mountain or going on a, on a routine picnic with your family and, and, and just spending some time next to a, a beautiful body of water or in a forest or the desert somewhere uh, is going to dramatically change your approach to healthcare. And, and, and so that's, that's the big emphasis and challenge. Um, you know, I think personally it's, the more you do this and the more you work with, with on veteran issues, it, it, it can be an incredibly, it's an incredibly uplifting process, but it can be also a very, you know, mentally draining um, to be immersed in this and kind of be living your own war out day in and day out. And I think it's it's always a challenge. How do I keep finding the, the excitement and the energy for this? And that's through continuing to work with veterans and making sure I get out with veterans on a routine basis myself, as well as kids, and um, that I'm not focused only on veterans, but that I'm also working more broadly. Uh, and then, and how that all translates to to your own life and a family and, and paying the mortgage and spending time with my wife and hoping that we can grow our family. And, um, but, and how I, I guess, deal with that is make sure that I, you know, all that stuff is make sure that I'm getting outside on a pretty routine basis. Um, and then there's another fun, really exciting project that um, I'm kicking off uh, this, this fall. Uh, and we're, we're heading back to, to Angola and uh, to do some rock climbing. And that's kind of my, a longer challenge is, is for me to be able to get back to all the places I either fought in or was supposed to fight in um, and, and see it from a landscape of adventure, climbing and skiing, um, and a little project we're calling Make Adventure Not War. And uh, I'm lucky enough that uh, Alex Honnold, who's a pretty well-known climber, uh, is, is, is stepping up and, and he and I are going to be heading to, to Angola uh, with a couple of our friends and um, uh, just to just to see that and, 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 and to go back and climb there. So a lot of really exciting stuff coming up, but, um, yeah, it boils down, I guess, how do I keep myself sane is getting outside and, um, calling up my buddies and, uh, um, making sure they're doing okay. And then making sure I'm doing okay. Very cool. And then Stacy, the, the last question, you know, th- this is fuel for warriors. Every warrior has their fuel. Uh, for some of us, it's some lock and load Java coffee for others. It's uh it's a daily inspiration. Um, and that gets us out of bed every morning and gets us moving. Uh, what is your fuel? What has you inspired each and every day? You know, that's uh, yeah, lock and load Java because I know it's going to be delicious in my coffee cup. Uh, I've been lucky enough <laughs> to be I've been lucky enough to be part of the North Face team and and the, and the Keen Shoes team. And there's a tremendous number of athletes and, and ambassadors on those who are doing great things and encourage me to to get up and and keep pushing um, and certainly, you know, working with other veterans and seeing the success of veterans in their own communities, working with other veterans and kids and adults uh, is, is really fuel. Uh, and I think um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to murder the quote, but it's a quote that uh, comes from, uh, I think, I think it's the Lord of the Rings when uh, Bilbo is, is, is talking to Sam and, and says, you know all these things that are going wrong in the world. Uh, why do you keep going? And, he's, and, and he and he says it's, it's because of the good of it. Because I remember there's so much good. And while it's kind of cheesy to quote um, Lord of the Rings, it's a nice reminder. You know that J.R.R. Tolkien was in World War One, and he saw the absolute worst of it. And I I don't think any of us would trade our war for World War One. It was absolutely miserable. And yet even in the midst of all that hell. Uh, J.R.R. Token and a lot of World War I vets and service members were able to see the good of the world around it. And I think that's ultimately my fuel is that um, I absolutely 100% believe that 
the world we live in is worth fighting for and there's a lot of beauty and there's a lot of good and um, I want to get up each day and see that and help others to find it. Yeah, very cool. And after we uh, after we hang up here, I'm actually about to head outdoors and enjoy some of the beautiful northwest sun we've been getting up here recently. Nice. Yeah. Stacy, everybody's following you on Twitter at M-S-S-N-O-T-D-R-S. Thank you for having a Twitter handle that has no words in it and, ha- and can only be described through the, uh, through the letters. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was supposed to be Mission Outdoors, um, and I was trying to be cool with Twitter, but instead I just have the most awkward handle. <laughs> I looked at it, I was like, that's not going to be easy to say. Uh, and then, of course, HuffingtonPost.com slash Stacy-Bear uh, is where you do some writing for, for the Huffington Post. That's right. Yep. And then people can also check uh, my blog from time to time uh, on NeverStopExploring.com, Never Stop which is uh, the blog for North Face athletes, and I write there pretty routinely as well. Very cool. Very cool. Stacy, thank you so much for joining me. I know that the audience really enjoyed it, and I appreciate you giving us some uh, a look into you know who you are as a warrior, as a veteran, and as an outdoor enthusiast. Yeah, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, I look forward to listening to your program, and, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. On behalf of Lori, Carl, and the rest of us here at Lock and Low Java, right, see you left, next week. Right, left, right, left, marching, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, marching. When I want to give it, feel like waiting. Something keeps living inside me, keeps yelling. Tell me, push on, push harder past the limit. It's no time for the giving and stick to it when I'm giving them. It's my all, and so they march for the sergeant. Ready to give it all up for the cause and just charge it. When I tell them to let it loose with the weapons, you blasting it down the mannequin, backing off what they never do. Never give up, not without a fight. Just